has spoken that revival is now. And he is proving this. He's backing up his word. Harvest is here. Revival is truly now. And this revival, though maybe it's starting small, maybe what you see here seems small, but this revival will grow so big it will reach the whole world. This revival is going to change the world. This revival is going to change the body of Christ, the church, forever. This revival is not like any revival we've ever seen, what God's doing and will do. This is a lasting revival. This is not a revival that will fizzle out upon one anointed person of God when they die. Because we've seen that in the past, right? But this revival is going to be different. We are all called to walk in the power of God. It's not going to be just one person walking in the power of God. But God's power is going to be released to believers, to the body of Christ. Like he commands, like he says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will have power. And you will do the things I did and greater. He who believes in me, not just one person, he who believes in me. That's God's will. And this is why it's going to be a lasting revival. Because God is now transforming the church forever. Hallelujah. The the church has a ways to go until we are ready for the return of Jesus. Amen? We know that Jesus is returning. The Bible says, Revelation 19.7, Let us rejoice and exalt and give him glory because the wedding celebration of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, shining bright and clear, has been given her to wear and the fine linen represents the righteous deeds of his holy believers. So the meaning of this verse, the bride has come and made herself ready. The meaning of that is that Jesus will return when the bride has made herself ready. Who is the bride? It's you, it's us, it's the body of Christ, it's the church. We have to make ourselves ready before Jesus will come. Jesus wants to see the church shining, beautiful, blemish-free, in a beautiful white dress in the spiritual realm before he returns. So we've got a ways to go. A lot of people are like, Jesus is coming any day, Jesus is coming any day. We've got some work to do. You know, uh, when, when Jesus resurrected and he kept, then he, he came back and was re- appearing to the disciples, you know, the last conversation that he had with the disciples before he left for good, going to heaven physically, in the physical manner, he said, uh, well, the conversation went like this. Acts 1-6, the disciples, they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? In other words, they're saying, Okay, is it time for you to come back? <laughs> like, are you going to come back now? Already? <laughs> Even though he just resurrected. Um, and verse 7, he says, he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, 
but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So in other words, Jesus is saying to them, do not preoccupy yourself looking at the sky, wondering when I'll come back, but instead receive my power and get to work for me. That's what the meaning of this when he says, don't worry. You, you don't know the time, but you need to worry about what you need to be focused on is receiving my power and getting to work for me. That's how God wants it. He came, he came to save us and he came also to be an example for us. And because we now are to bring the kingdom to the world, the kingdom of God to the world through him. He would live in us and we would bring the kingdom of God to the world. We would advance God's kingdom. We would take back what the devil stole. Amen? So this work that we have to do is exciting. It's glorious. It's hard work, but it's amazing. It's truly living when you take God seriously and get to work for him and see his power work through you. So... Don't, don't miss out on your calling. Don't miss out on your purpose by lounging on the couch, looking at the sky, saying, and keep on saying to everybody, Jesus is coming back, Jesus is coming back, Jesus is coming back. Get to work. There's work to be done. Amen? Hallelujah. So, if Jesus is not coming back until we are spotless, we are perfected as the church, We've got a lot of work to do. We've at first have to start looking like the Acts church, what the church looked like in the book of Acts. That's step one. That's the, that's the way it first looked. We have to look like that, and the Bible says you will go glory to glory. We need to advance. They were just beginning, and that's what they looked like. By that, I mean the things Jesus was doing, they were doing. Miracles were happening. Such mighty work of God was happening. Power of God. So we, we have a ways to go. We need to at first be restored to the church God intended us to be, what we see in the book of Acts. So I want to share with you today what we're going to look like, what we're working towards, what God wants the church to look like, Amen. This isn't, it's important we know this. When we say revival, revival, we shouldn't have past revivals in our mind and, and just be thinking like, I'm coming to receive my miracle and then that's it. Bye-bye <laughs> forever. No, like we're coming to receive our miracle and be equipped to be a powerful vessel of God. So we can do what Jesus said to the disciples. We will be witnesses for God, receiving his power, walking in the power. It's time to do work, to, to, to do our part. Imagine we're going to go to heaven someday and see all of the people who played a part in beautifying the church, who played a part in history. We have a part to play. Amen? So it's, work, it's serious business. We've got a job to do. Okay, so what does the Acts Church look like? What are we supposed to look like today? Let's, let's look at the Acts Church. Let's look at Scripture and Acts and see how it looked like, okay? So Acts 
It says, the apostles performed many signs, wonders, and miracles among the people. And the believers were wonderfully united as they met regularly at the temple courts. No one dared harm them, for everyone held them in high regard. Why? Because people could see God is with them. All these miracles happening. So we have some work to do because you don't really see Christians held in high regard by people of the world, right? But this is how they, they were held in high regard, it says. Continually more and more people believed in the Lord and were added to their number, great crowds of both men and women. In fact, when people knew Peter was going to walk by, they carried the sick out to the streets and laid them down on cots and mats, knowing the incredible power emanating from him would overshadow them and heal them. Another translation says they knew that just if his shadow touched them, they would be healed. By the way, that shows something powerful about physically being in the presence of God, being where anointing is. They were trying to get where the shadow would touch him, would touch them and they would be healed. Great numbers of people swarmed into Jerusalem from the nearby villages. They brought with them the sick and those troubled by demons, and everyone was healed. Wow. That passage right there, that is showing what church was looking like. That looks quite different than how the church, by and large, by and large, looks today, right? Miracles were the norm. It says here, everyone was healed. The apostles performed many signs, wonders, and miracles among the people. And this is how people were coming. It says people were swarming there because they heard miracles happening. Miracles were happening, so they, they, they come running. I want to receive a miracle. I heard miracles are happening here. Hallelujah. We had someone last week come from out of town because they heard of the miracles that God's doing here. Amen. That's exciting. That touched my heart because I said, okay, we are going somewhere. We are, we, this is revival. We are going back to the Acts Church now. This is happening. Thank you, Lord. This is rare, but it is happening. God is doing it. John 14, 12 says, very truly, I tell you, this is Jesus, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. In other words, all the amazing miracles that Jesus did. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Wow. Jesus said powerful words there. Whoever, be- whoever believes in me. Not just one person, two people. Whoever believes in me will do the works that I did, the miracles, and greater. I have a question for you. Do you believe in the Bible? Will you take God at his word? I mean, when we read the scripture like this, I mean, we're co- the Bible says the, the word is God. God is the word. God is the Bible. 
we need to take his word seriously even if we have never seen it here today. Even if the culture, the Christian culture of today, the popular Christian culture or the biggest churches that we see don't look like that. No, we need to take the word of God. That needs to be what we take as our truth, not the culture that we see, even if we're standing alone. Many people have been so, they've just accustomed to, oh, miracles don't happen anymore. But they're not taking the word of God seriously because nowhere in the Bible does it say miracles will end after the first Acts church. It does not say that. Jesus says you will do what I did in greater things. Jesus laid a blueprint out of what the church is supposed to look like. We have proof. Regular, normal people were doing amazing miracles. So why aren't we looking, reading the Bible and have a burning in our hearts, a conviction? This is what we should see today. This is what we should see today. I will not stand for anything less. The Bible says, when you seek me and seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Well, some of you have found Jesus today who moves in power. That was my testimony. I was a Christian my whole life. I did not know that miracles happened until I saw the power of God. I saw miracles happening. I saw healing happening. I saw demons cast out. I received prophetic ministry. I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, started speaking in tongues. But I had to seek it out. I had to seek it out. Jesus, the real Jesus, is is here. But we have to seek him. We have to go to the Bible and say, there must be more. There must be more than what I want to find this, Jesus. Jesus Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So this Jesus, he's got to be somewhere. There's got to be somewhere else in the world who thinks like I do, who believes in the word of God. I'm going to find them. I'm going to find where Jesus is moving. And I'm going to be used by him, just by me standing for his truth and sharing with people. God does miracles. Opening up myself to receive instead of just going through the the norms, going to church on Sunday where there's no power of God. Checking off the list. Okay, I did my Christian duty. No, we got to take God at his word. When Jesus came, when he came, he went against the culture, against the Christian culture. Or in those days, it would have been the godly culture. They didn't have the name Christian yet, right? But he came saying, I am, I am the, 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 the fulfillment of the prophecies of the Torah. And, and so many people that were going through their, their, their religious norms, going to temple. That was the popular culture of that day. There was famous priests in that day. There was huge crowds going. They, they rejected him. They said, this guy is of the devil. But what if they had went to their Torah and found the prophecies that pointed to Jesus and they would find that he's not going against a single, that it actually lines up. 
so that they would at least open up their hearts. Well, I believe in the word of God and, okay, where he's from, where he, these all don't conflict with him. Maybe he is. I'm taking the word of God more seriously than what my friends say, than what the cultural norm is. Jesus was doing a new thing. Jesus is doing a new thing now. Hallelujah. Okay, so when we, when we read the book of Acts, we see all of these miracles happening. We understand that this is God's will for miracles to be happening in the church, for, for, for any kind of sickness to be healed, any kind of demon to be cast out. We understand that. Amen? Okay, so how do we see the miracles happen then? How come they're not happening today just automatically? How do, how do we get there? How do we, what, what's the key? Well, we have to do church God's way. God has order. He has principles. He did not say in the Bible, you can do church however you feel. You want to change some things that I, change some of my ways? Go for it. No. He laid out a blueprint of what church is supposed to look like, how it's supposed to function, how we will be equipped. Amen? So we have to do it God's way. We have to go in his order. We have to look at the Bible and see what he says church is supposed to look like and how we're supposed to function, how we're supposed to operate. Church, the body of Christ, we have to get the order right for the miracles to flow. We cannot go off on our own and be like, God, use me in miracles. I don't care about the body. No, we are a body. We work together. God's made it that way. We need each other. If we go out of that order, we can't be used by God. Hallelujah. So Acts 2.41, this passage I'm going to read to you right now, this is, the, the subtitle is like fellowship of believers. It's describing what church was like, what fellowship looked like of the believers. This is right after Peter gave this big speech, this big sermon, and Thousands were added to the church that day. Thousands believed in Jesus. Right after Pentecost came, the Holy Spirit came. They started speaking in tongues. So it says, Acts 2.42, they devoted, them, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. This is the very first thing it says when we're talking about church. They devoted, they devoted, look at that word, that's powerful, they devoted. They did not devote themselves to Netflix or scrolling through social media or the news or consumption of fear of the news or social activities. No, they devoted. To devote yourself, that's giving your heart. That's giving effort. That's giving time. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So they were serious about growing, about being equipped to be used by God. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. And to fellowship. That's what you're doing right now. 
you're fellowshipping with other believers. Even if you've never met, we are united right now because we have come together in one mind and one heart to worship Jesus and to receive from him. This is fellowship. So they devoted themselves to fellowship as well as the teaching. And there were plagues in those days too. There was way less medicine back then than there is now. But they put aside risks. Their faith was greater. They knew I'm going where the one who heals every disease is. Nothing can stop me from fellowshipping with the believers and worshiping Jesus. He's commanded us to. I've devoted myself to this. Verse 43, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Everyone was filled with awe. So when we talk about church, that's what was going on. Everyone was, fi- everyone was filled with awe at the many miracles that were happening. That's what church is supposed to look like. Everyone full of awe at the miracles Jesus is doing. Hallelujah. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They were united. They chose to be united. They chose to put Jesus first to love one another no matter their differences. Amen? They were very generous to people who were in need and to the work of God. They took it seriously, giving to the work of God. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So there is our example of what church should look like. Number one, we see the word apostles. We see the word apostles. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And also the apostles were performing many signs, wonders, and miracles, it says, and they were full of awe. When we read our Bible, we have to pay attention to these things. This is not history book. This is not, this is how church was the, in the beginning, but then we're called to just do whatever we want. Nope. We're called to look so seriously at the word. Okay. Apostles. Interesting. Okay. So we need apostles in the church today. Ephesians 4, 7. It says, Jesus has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. This is quoting Psalm 68, 18, where it says, he ascends into the heavenly heights, Jesus, taking as many captured ones with him, leading them in triumphal procession. And gifts, gifts were given to men, even the once rebellious, so that God may dwell with them. So gifts were given from Jesus to the church, to believers, so that God may dwell with them. This is, from, this is quoting Psalm 68, 18. Let's go back to Ephesians 4, 7, and as it goes on. The next passage, after it says, he gave gifts to his people. The next scripture says, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. So the gifts, I want you guys to get this. This is, this is very powerful. The gifts that God, Jesus gave us so that God may dwell with us. 
it explains what these specific gifts are. It says it clearly. Verse 11, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. It clearly says these are the gifts that God gave to the church so that God may dwell with us. Verse 12, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will be no, no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed, blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. But instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So the purpose of these gifts are to equip, to build, to help mature all the believers so that they won't be deceived by the devil, so they won't be a lukewarm Christian, confused, but that they would be a strong, mature disciple who is now able to disciple others. As Jesus says, you go and make disciples. So it's kind of like we are all babies in Christ. It's not going to work out well when babies are just left there with no one to take care of them. Life will not dwell with them. Let's take physical babies, for example, okay? Physical babies won't live, really. They won't live if there's nobody to take care of them. And so this is how it is in the spiritual realm. God has made it this way, that he has put a special grace on these gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, that helps that baby to grow and be this strong, mature, adult Christian disciple who can walk in the power of God so that God may dwell in them. A baby needs someone to care for it, to help it, so life may dwell in it. Believers need these gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, to help them, to equip them, to mature them, to equip them to walk in the power of God so that God may dwell with them. So they're not deceived by the devil and end up calling themselves a Christian, yet they're being used by the devil. Because that happens so often when people don't have the equipping. They don't have the mentoring. They don't have the teaching. Amen? So you see, the Bible is very clear when we look at it. It's simple and it's clear. And it makes sense, perfect sense. Hallelujah. So we need each of these offices, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Right now, we have mostly just pastors, sometimes evangelists, sometimes teachers you hear. But when you only have one or you only have two, we are missing out so much of what we need to be equipped and to grow. It's like we're malnourished. We're getting one thing nutrient that we need but that's no good if we don't have the five required ones 
So pastor's true purpose is to shepherd the people. They have a special anointing to care, to care for the people and their individual needs, the sheep, the believers. They want to make sure that the sheep do not leave. They, they, they have a special anointing and grace that can counsel. When, when, when someone's in trouble, they have the grace and responsibility to counsel, to spend time with them, to speak with them, to love on them. I don't want you to leave God's will. I don't come, stay, don't, don't leave. This special heart they have, it's a special grace. But that's their area of grace and responsibility. It's supposed to be just there. They don't have the grace to do everything. Teachers, their anointing and grace is to chop up the word of God. They have revelation that God gives them, special revelation to help believers understand the word of God. Evangelists, they're called to reach out to the lost, but that is their area. Their area is to reach those who are unsaved and bring them to the church where they can find Jesus, encounter the power of God, or they, they, they themselves release the power of God to someone, or they bring them to church and they re- encounter the power of God, and there they can find Jesus and then grow at the church. Okay, that's evangelists. That's their area. That specifically is their area. Apostles and prophets. Ephesians 2.20 says that apostles and prophets are the foundation of the church with Christ Jesus as the chief cornerstone. They are the foundation. That's in Ephesians. So it's not going to work out well when we remove the foundation. Apostles, the Bible says that a true sign of an apostle is they walk in signs, wonders, and miracles. And the way that that only says it like that, like the true, this is the true indicator. It only says that about apostles. Apostles lay the foundation. Apostles pioneer. Apostles have a grace to make sure that the believer's foundation is good so that they can be built up after that, so that the other ministries, the other gifts can come and do their part. So if we chop off the apostles who are the foundation, who are called to go first, who are called to walk in signs, wonders, and miracles, how will our foundation be any good? How will we be able to walk in the power of God when the one who's supposed to equip us in that, apostles, are not there? Amen? And prophets speak the present tense word of God today. They say God is doing this. God gives them a special grace to see in the spiritual realm what others cannot see. God is doing this now. Revival is now. You're called to be an apostle. That's why I'm here today. It was a true prophet of God that told me that. I didn't want to be an apostle. I didn't know how to be an apostle. I didn't know how to preach. I I hated public speaking. It was my biggest fear. I would not be here today. If a prophet hadn't spoken my calling. So God has assigned prophets to speak certain things of his will to individuals or corporately. We need them. We are blind without them. It's just God's order. It's just how he's created it. This is Ephesians. It's speaking of how the church is supposed to be today. Today. 
in the Bible, in the Acts church, it mentions people by name. Philip the evangelist. So many apostles. Paul, Peter, so many. Prophets. Agabus, Silas, Barnabas. It says them by name. They were never not supposed to be here. We need them all. So you want to see miracles today? We need all five off. We need to do it God's way, which is having all five offices. That's why we're called Fivefold Church. God gave us this name because he has spoken that he is restoring the fivefold ministry to the church so that we can see miracles, so that we can see revival. Hallelujah. It's simple. It's in the word of God today. It tells us right here why we don't see miracles and what we need to do to see miracles, to see what we saw in the Acts church. Thank you, Jesus, for your precious word of God. Hallelujah. Thank you for giving us revelation. Thank you, Jesus. So we need the fivefold ministry. And that's why we've been seeing miracles move here. Because we are getting in line with God's will. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Next. Okay, next. What do we see in the Acts church that we will now see today? God uses the weak things. God uses the weak things. He used the weak ones. He used the foolish things to confound the wise in the book of Acts. 1 Corinthians one twenty six, Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. So Paul's saying to the people who are now seeing the power of God work through them in various ways in their life. He's saying, think about who you were when you were called. When you were called to be this, 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 this. When you were called to be an anointed vessel of God. Think Think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things. And the things that are not to nullify the things that are. So that no one may boast before him. So that people can see and know their weaknesses and be amazed at how God's using them and continually be humble and in awe of Jesus. Instead of being like, I'm so gifted, I'm so talented, it's all because of me that this is all happening. You know? That I have all of this, this huge church and this money and fame and all, you know? You know, this is how God works. Look at all the disciples that he chose. They were fishermen and tax collectors. Fishermen and tax collectors. That's who God chose to use in mighty signs, wonders, and miracles. It says Peter. Peter, with his shadow, was healing people. He was a fisherman. Jesus found him on a boat. He didn't find him in theology school. He didn't go and find the most prestigious priest and find his son 
okay, I'll use him to be a disciple. No, all of the disciples that God chose. The tax collectors were the big sinners of the day. They weren't spiritual at all. They weren't trying to be spiritual at all. This is who God chose again and again and again and again and again. He chose nothing but the weak, nothing but the foolish things. So people, so the people that are using, being used in the power of God can, can not make it a show, not make it about themselves, not make it entertainment or comedy or the lights, camera action stuff or the fog. <laughs> but they can be just continually in awe of God, so in love with him, so desiring him to have his way. That's all they can do. That's all they can think about. They cannot forget where they came from. They cannot forget who they used to be. They cannot forget their weakness that God moved through powerfully. When you don't have that, when you have people taking their place and God didn't call them, God leaves. You can preach Jesus all you want. But if God didn't call you, and you're about yourself inside, about pride, God leaves. Holy Spirit's not there. Miracles will not happen. This is how it was in the book of Acts, and this is what he's going to do now. He's going to use the weak things. If you're sitting here and you feel weak, like, how can God use me? God brought you here for a reason. He wants to use you. He's raising up an army of God that are full of people like, me, God, really? What? And we can just all be in awe of him together and come and worship him and never want to leave his presence and can't do anything but think about him and worship him, can't think about ourselves because we're just full in awe. Amen. I'm so blessed by, God's been showing this to me in my life and here at Fivefold Church, myself as an example, how I, public speaking was my biggest fear, my biggest weakness. And I have like talents, lots of talents in other areas. I wanted to be a singer. That's really what I wanted to do. But God called me, you're an apostle. I didn't want to preach. I didn't want to speak. I did not know how to. It was my biggest weakness. I felt so like when I first started preaching, I was just full of nerves inside. And I was like, how is God going to use me? I don't know if people will be touched. It took years for me to gain confidence. I just kept showing up and saying, God, use my weakness. Use my weakness. God, I need you. But it kept reminding me that I need him. It made it so I couldn't boast in anyone but him. And then Jean Tal, our worship leader, right here. Jean Tal has this beautiful voice. But when she came to the church, in her mind she had made up her, she had made up her mind that she was never going to sing in public again because of just lies of the enemy that come, came through other people in her head just saying that she couldn't sing very well or that she shouldn't sing anymore publicly, that she just she just sing in her shower. And she was fine with that. She was happy with that. But then God called her to not only sing on the worship team but be the worship leader. And she didn't want to. But she obeyed. It was really uncomfortable for her, just like me, so many weeks. And I didn't know it. She told me later. I was shocked. 
for so many times it, out of her comfort zone completely. But it was pure obedience. God used her weakness. It's amazing how God is restoring his way and his order in his church today. Even if it starts small, he's, this is how he begins. And this is the transformation we'll see in the body of Christ. You will see. You will see. People's testimonies. People use, being used by the power of God. I can't believe God's using me. I was a fisherman. I was a salesman. I was a teacher. I was a doctor. I, was, I don't know how to preach. And for you here, God's called you here to use you powerfully. He wants to use your weakness for his glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lastly, lastly, what we see in the book of Acts is that the Holy Spirit truly leads. The Holy Spirit truly leads. This is what God is restoring now, that he would lead our lives, that he would lead church, that we wouldn't be confined to a 45-minute service, that we wouldn't be confined to a three-song set list that's only 20 minutes long. You know, that we wouldn't be confined to it has to go this order, this or worship, sermon, praying, announcements. No. No. But we would let the Holy Spirit take charge every time. Take over worship. Holy Spirit wants to release as, as a prophetic song. Release it. Release it, even if it extends the service a lot. Holy Spirit wants to start praying for people in the middle of the message or before the message. We, that's what we do. That's what we do. That is what we do. We follow him and what he wants. Hallelujah. So this is what we will see now. We, it's time to get out of the just checking off the checklist. I went to church today. Now I can't wait to go to my brunch. That's what I'm really looking forward to. No. It's time to get back to what the believers were like. They, when it describes the church, this is what it says. The believers were full in awe of the miracles that were happening. They were devoted to the teachings, and they were full in awe of the miracles. They were not consumed with Netflix or social media or the news, or whatever else is not that those things. Amen? But they were devoted to the teachings. They were full in awe of the miracles. So church is going to look quite differently. We're going to come to church excited early, inviting all our friends. Oh, with expectancy. Oh, what is God going to do today? I'm excited to experience and encounter him today. I'm excited to worship him. I can't, I'm so blessed to be in his presence. I'm so blessed to have found where he's moving. Hallelujah. This never gets old. This never gets old seeing God move in power. It never gets old receiving a touch from him. It never gets old seeing somebody weep as God rescues them from the pit, as God heals them in a moment. It never gets old seeing someone receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It only fills me in awe like nothing else can in this world. This is where my heart is. I wish I could stay here at church forever, all day. 
this is what we're coming to now. This is what we're coming to, where Jesus is truly number one, the center of our hearts, and his work is number one. We care about his work. We care about serving him. We care about serving him in the church. We care about giving to the work of God more than anything. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. This is what we're going to see. Are you excited? And this is what we are seeing. I shouldn't say it's the We are seeing it now, and we're going to see it in the large scale in days to come, in months to come. This is, this is not just one church like this. God is transforming his body where this will become the norm because this is his way, and this is what he wants. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Lord, for revival. We thank you, God, for your sweet, precious presence. We thank you, Lord, for your power touching us. We thank you, Father, that you didn't give up on us. We thank you, Jesus, for revealing to us how you want church done, how you want things to go, how you want the body of Christ to look like, how you want our hearts to be. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Father, for this precious gift, this precious revelation. Thank you for opening our eyes, Jesus, and thank you for bringing revival now. I declare that eyes would open more. May your eyes open up more and more and more. And as you read the word, as you read the word of God, that your eyes would be enlightened, would open up more and more by the power of the Holy Spirit. May a fire burn inside of you. May a fire burn inside of you to see Jesus move how he wants, how he wants, in power, in miracles. May your heart burn to see the Acts Church now and today. May your heart burn to be a part of it, to be a revival carrier. And I declare eyes to open all over in this city of L.A. It's time for people to wake up. It's time for eyes to see. It's time for eyes to see. I declare eyes to open up to see where God is moving and to desire to be a part of revival, to be a part of what God is doing. It's time, I declare. It's time for people to come. It's time for more and more to hear about the miracles that are happening and come receive what they need, what Jesus wants to give them. It's time, I declare. May words spread. May eyes open. May people see the light shining on a hill that you all are here right now. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Father. I release this anointing to touch you now. You can lift your hands as God touches you. May this power of God touch you now. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. I see God moving upon you now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. He is here. He is here. He is touching you. He's revealing his love to you right now in this moment. The touch you feel is him showing you, demonstrating to you how much he loves you. That he's with you, that he never leaves you, that he will never leave you. 
that he's always been with you, that he hears your every prayer, that he sees your every need. This is him revealing to you that he has the power to do anything in your life, to remove anything that needs to be removed, to heal anything that needs to be healed. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your precious presence, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. To every sickness and everybody here and watching online, everybody with any sickness, I declare it to get out in Jesus' name. I declare it to go. Every disease, go in Jesus' name. Any disease the doctor said was incurable, I declare that disease to go in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Pain in your bodies, I speak, go now in Jesus' name. Be healed in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Any spirit that's been afflicting you, I declare it to get out in Jesus' name. Be free. Spirit of addiction, get out now in Jesus' name. Be free. Be free. Spirit that comes in your dreams, I say get out now in Jesus' name. Be free. Be free. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Spirit of Alzheimer's, go now in Jesus' name. Go. Be free. Be healed now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We love you, God. Thank you for your sweet presence, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. 